Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yep, yep, get boys, it's back and reloaded. All in your mind, yeah, now deep throated. This is for the streets, the real, the railroaded, the disenfranchised, the truth, the scapegoated. And they know it, we speak the truth, so they quote it, cause we wrote it. The north, south, the east coast, it's the GB knocking, we keeping your head bobbing. It ain't no stopping, and once the beat drops in, violins, the system is so corrupt, they throw the rock out their hands and then blame it on us. It's GB, don't get it twisted, on code and we ain't dancing for no buttermilk biscuits. It's Willie D, y'all. Ghetto Boys in the house. Back with another episode of information and instructions to help you navigate through this wild, crazy, beautiful world. In the studio, D1. One. One. The number one, y'all. It's a special significance to that. I think I know what it is, but I'd rather have you explain that. Of course, brother. Yeah. Man, I got my name in college. I went to a Division One school. LSU. LSU, right. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And you know, if you play college ball, you know, D1 is like significant because it's like, okay. oh, you, you okay. top notch, yeah. you know okay. what I mean? But not only that, my birth name is David. Right. My mama named me David. And when I started to get into the rap game, 
I felt like I was the one that was chosen oh, to be in this thing. You okay. know I, mean? I felt like I God it. chose me. Like, man, you in a group with 20 other people, but you the one. You know what I mean? So instead of the one, I took the D from David. Right. I said, I'm D1. That's dope. That's dope. And uh, that's how you came up with David and Goliath, that album that you put out. There with, you go. Yeah, that, that was... That was dope. There you go. That yeah. was my first album. Yeah, that was your debut. Debut and, album. Man, you know, you made a lot of noise really fast. Mm. Really fast. And then it was like, you just stopped. Like, mm. did, did that happen, like, intentionally? Or you, you switch gears? And nah, I don't think I stopped. I think I'm richer. Um, I'm uh, I'm more well-known now. I'm well, what, no, what, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying... When it, what I'm saying is that, like, you're moving, you, you, you're, you're still doing stuff, mm -hmm. but I haven't seen you doing like, like the what, what would they say the uh, the mainstream, the mainstream stuff, stuff. Okay. mainstream stuff. Okay, yeah. So when I first jumped into the game, I was independent. I, I was fresh out of college. I got a job as a middle school teacher, so I got a nine to five back in Baton Rouge. I'm teaching, and one of my teaching music math. Teaching math, yeah. Right. Math teacher. And I taught life skills, too. I can't leave that one out. I taught a subject called life skills. So I'm teaching math and life skills. And while I'm teaching, I do a song called J50 and Wheezy, where I'm calling right. out Jay-Z, 50 Cent, and Lil Wayne. I'm not dissing them, but I'm holding them accountable for their lyrics and for the message they sending. Because I'm seeing how the impact of their lyrics is affecting my students. One of my students came in class one day and had a tattoo that said MOB on it. You know mm -hmm. what MOB stands for? Yeah. Money over. Yeah. Right? I asked him, I said, man, you know what that tattoo means? He was like, no, sir. And he looked at me. And I said, well, why did you get it? Because his favorite rapper, Lil Wayne, has it tattooed on him. Uh -huh. And when I, when I realized how powerful these brothers' lyrics were, I said, all right, I could choose to remain a teacher or I could get into the rap game to be a teacher. So I'm still a teacher mm -hmm. at heart, but instead of Mr. Augustine, I'm D1 now. Yeah. And because I'm in the rap game, I'm able to reach way more people. That music video went viral for J50 and Weezy. Mm -hmm. At the time, MTV Jams was like the holy grail. If you could get a video on MTV Jams, it was like, man, you made it. You know, mm -hmm. bro, as an independent artist, as a middle school teacher, I'm looking and I got a song that's on the top 20 on MTV Jams and on BET and all this stuff. And people looking like, man, how you doing this? So I'm getting mainstream looks, but I'm still an independent artist with a job. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So then after that, that led to like a little situation where different labels wanted to sign me. So Cash Money, ironically, was one of the labels that wanted to sign me. So I'm in talks with Birdman and Slim. They flying me out to Miami. I'm si I'll never forget this meeting I had with Slim at the Ritz Carlton Hotel, and he talking to me. And I grew up on these dudes, you know. So at the time, I'm looking. Slim up, was talking to you. Slim, Slim talking don't to talk. Me. Slim don't. Well, it's not publicly. <laughs> Man, Slim, you know, he talk yeah. real slow. Yeah. You could tell his words are real calculated, and. He said he liked me, man. He said he liked my my authenticity. You know, he liked he liked that I'm not trying to be somebody I'm not. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to bring me over there. But in the back of my mind, I was always like, man, I just did a song that got real popular where it's calling out Jay-Z, 50 Cent, and Lil Wayne. Like, how that's going to work, you know? Mm -hmm. And the whole time that they were courting me and talking to me, I never met Wayne in person, right? 
So I was like, this don't feel right, <laughs> right. man. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't, I didn't been around the block enough. You know, from think you being set up. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I could be getting set up to get shelved. You know. Uh, so, so I didn't end up signing that deal. Long story short, I didn't end up signing that deal because I really knew what my purpose was in this game. If your name is Cash Money Records, what you think you in this game to do primarily? Make money. Make money, right? I'm in this game to be a teacher. I'm gonna make money, but after I get to teach. So it's impact over income for me. If it's income, and then if we make a little impact for you, then we're not in the game for the same purpose. Mm. I recognize that, bro. You got two types of artists in this game. You got the hustlers and you got the teachers. Some people get into the game like, man, I'm just trying to make some bread. I'm a hustler. I'm going to figure out how to use the rap game to make money. What you don't realize is as a rapper, you're automatically a teacher, though. Because hip-hop is mm-hmm. so digestible. There's so much information inside of your lyrics. Then it rhymes. Then it's repetition. What does that equal? That equals retention. So people are memorizing these lyrics. I guarantee you, me and you both, we could rap the lyrics to songs that we liked over 20 years ago. But we could still rap the lyrics word for word. That's because of the high retention rate of hip-hop. So if you're a hustler, primarily getting into the rap game, you're going to end up being a hustler, primarily, then a teacher, and then you're going to entertain people in the process, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a teacher getting into the rap game, then you're trying to teach. You're going to make some money if you're successful. You can't not make money in the rap game if you're successful, and you're going to entertain people in the process. I learned early on, I'm a teacher that's getting into the rap game to teach. I've made money by the grace of God, you know what I mean, in a cool position. Um and of course, I entertain people. I mean, I got hundreds of thousands of fans all over the world. Like, that's great. Probably millions. But I'm not a hustler that's just trying to get into this game to figure out how I could just make money by any means. And unfortunately, a lot of people are. Yeah. And and, and that, you're always going to clash. So I didn't sign with Cash Money. Um, and did, I was, you, did you ever meet Wayne? No. You want to know something crazy? You still crazy? haven't met Wayne to this day? Bro, I was out. Wayne had a concert out here last night. I was on the tour bus, still didn't meet Wayne. You was on his tour bus. Wayne got Wayne got two tour buses. He got his tour bus. He got a tour yeah, bus for team. all his clique, his crew, right. right? So they all know me. We got songs together. Like we, it's New Orleans. We're small, bro. We all know each other. I'm friends with. I'm, I'm cool with all these dudes. They see me. They embrace me. They dap me off. Mm-hmm. Gutter gutter. Uh, Mac Main. You know all these people. Yeah, Wayne is on the other tour bus, right? All these dudes know me. I'm thinking that was Wayne tour bus, so I'm thinking, oh, I'm about to meet him. We about to, after all these years, we about to be able to, you know, chop it up. This going to be cool because I got no no hate towards this brother, you know, nothing like that. I'm just in the game to be a teacher. And Lil Wayne was one of my teachers, whether he knows it or not, because mm-hmm. I grew up listening to so much of his lyrics. Come to find out he wasn't on that bus. He was on the first bus. Bro, we always, right when I f- realized that and I got off one bus to walk to the other, I saw this big circle of people walking towards the entrance of the House of Blues. That was Wayne and all of them. Just missed them. Not that I'm like like searching out to like, oh, I got to meet Wayne, but we always just barely miss each other. You heard me? So yeah. I did all that, bro. So to answer your question, yeah, I got some mainstream looks before I ever signed. Then I did sign with RCA, RCA Records. Signed a major record deal with them. Of course, they helped get me some big looks. Um, you know, I, so if you see me on TV, if you see me on a lot of award shows, uh, performing BET Hip Hop Awards, all this type of stuff, that's when I was signed. But I can't even say that it was because of the label. It was really because of my hustle. 
it was really because of my hustle, bro. Uh, I didn't have music videos go viral. I did a song about paying my student loans off called Sally Maybach. And then you used the, money, the proceeds to pay off your student loans. I used How the cool proceeds. I used the proceeds from my record deal to pay off my student loans, bro. And um, that song got so popular, it went so viral that people looked up and they saw D1 on uh, The Real, the daytime talk show, right? It was either The Real or Wendy Williams. I had a choice to go on either one. I went on The Real, performed, got interviewed like this. Millions of people around the country seeing me, right? They see me on ESPN, ESPN doing the interview with me, right? National television. Man, that wasn't the record label. That was my hustle. And that was my anointing from God, to be honest with you. Because I realized that even hustle ain't enough to open doors that God just don't want to open for you. So mm. I'm in this game for a reason, bro. I've been knowing that for a while. Why did you choose the real over Wendy Williams? Why? Because Wendy Williams, when I think of her name, I instantly think of mess. Hmm. That's why your reputation is so important in this game. When I thought of the real, I was like, okay, you think of them, you think of something like bright and more positive, a friendly atmosphere. With Wendy Williams, it seemed like if you ain't got no drama or no gossip, like you're not really going to click too well with her. And I never met her in person, but from a distance, you know, the energy that's given off, you know. Well, the real, to be fair, they've had their fair share of gossip and mm. Mess, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. uh, drama. What What do you think about? First of all, that's been an, an uptick of teacher student fight videos facts. on the internet. That's facts. And, and there's a myriad of them out there if you look on the internet. What do you think about this volatile situation we find ourselves in with uh, teachers and students in the classroom? Yeah, I think the part that you're leaving out is the role that parents play. Okay. Because if you're parenting your child properly at home, there's no way in the world that they would have the audacity to go to school and talk about wanting to fight their teacher. Mm -hmm. Students going to school nowadays thinking, oh, it's cool to threaten my teacher. It's cool to call my teacher's hands because it's going to make my classmates laugh. Mm -hmm. And that's because of bad parenting. Yeah. Man, at the end of the day, I had one student. <laughs> I had one student who, no matter how hard I tried, this dude did not like me at all, at all. And I knew at the end of the day, I knew that if he had the opportunity, that he would have fought me. And because I knew that, I also had the maturity as a man to say, I'm not going to do anything to take it to that level. So there was a time where I literally had to sit in front of the door. I sat in a desk in front of the door, blocking the door so he couldn't get out the classroom. Because I was like, brother, I said, we're going to set a list right here, right now. And that don't mean I'm calling your hands. That means we're going to sit down as men or as a man and a young man. And we're going to talk through this, bro. Because you don't like me. And you don't have to like me. But we're going to get to the bottom of why you don't like me. And, and did y'all ever get to the bottom? Yeah, we got to the bottom. And what was the bottom? What man, was at the bottom? He was going through hell at home, man. It, it had nothing to do with me. This brother broke down crying by the end of our session. Mm. We sitting there talking. He having daddy issues. So when he come in the classroom and he see another black man, me, trying to exert some level of authority over him, it just automatically wasn't making him feel like he wanted to respect or listen to anything I had to say. This dude, daddy had him out here trying to sell dope. And this man was a middle school student. 
This man was all messed up in the head in terms of like who to really look up to. And that's why mentorship is so important, Willie. Like it's so important whether you're a parent or whether you're a rapper, bro. In the rap game, we got all these people that we call OGs. But I feel like we got we got horrible, horrible examples oftentimes of people who are just super irresponsible, man. Just because you're an elder statesman in the game don't mean you're a real OG. You're probably a DG. That means you're a disappointing grown-up. <laughs> Straight up, bro. You can't just call somebody an OG just because they old. <laughs> you're a DG, man. <laughs> Straight up, bro. <laughs> Ghetto Boys Reloaded Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made, and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby and modern-day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. 
he just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Man, let's go back to Audubon Monastery School. Oh, you did your research. Let's go back, man. Let's go back. Like these are your these are your formidable years. What do you remember about walking the hallways of Audubon? Man, first of all, I grew up on the east side. I grew up in the night world of New Orleans, right? Yeah. So where I grew up at is a lot of poverty and you know, you see a lot of violence. That's the norm for us, right? All black. I remember going all the way across town, like forty minutes, you know, to get to the other side of town to go to Audubon. That's near Tulane University. And by the time I catch the Lake Forest bus to the streetcar on Canal Street and finally get there, I'm like, man, I didn't have to walk past million dollar houses on St. Charles to get to school. I didn't have to see all these luxury cars in order to get to school. It showed me that there's more to life than just my hood. Mm. That was big for me because I was like, man, I am not just a product of my environment. My environment can become a product of me if I apply myself right in school. So, man, when I was at that school, I was around white students. I was around Asian students. I was around black students. And it showed me that just because your parents might make more money than mine, you're not any better than me because I'm in the gifted classes. Y'all not even yeah. in gifted classes. I'm smarter than you. And you got 10 times the money I got. Man. That's powerful. Come on. That's when come I was on. like, oh, this a weapon right here. Yeah. My brain. Oh, man, that's going to be that's going to be my ticket out straight up. And I knew that from an early age, bro. Like, shout out to my daddy, man. My daddy had to camp out to get me in that school, bro. It's a public school in New Orleans. You know, you ain't got to pay a dime to go there. But it's so, like, sought after for people to go to this type of school back then that my pops had to camp out just to get me a spot in line to be in a lottery to potentially be able to get into this school. So he camped out in a tent overnight on the street corner of New Orleans because they said the first 100 people had an opportunity to get into the lottery. Man, first of all, I don't even believe you because black men don't take care of their kids like that. We 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 abandon our kids. We ain't we ain't, we're not that. We're not we're not we're not present. False. You know what I'm saying? False. We're, not, we're not that. False. Your daddy did that for real. False, man. My daddy did that, man. And they need to stop acting like black men don't take care of their kids, bro. You take care of yours? Damn skippy. There you go. Look, you so Damn country. <laughs> Only somebody from Texas will say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> let yeah. me tell you Damn something. Damn skippy. Let me, let me tell you something, bro. Uh, I don't even understand how a man could have a child born into this world and not be there 
for the arrival of that baby. Mm. I can get it if there's some type of circumstances that, mm. that are beyond your control. Mm -hmm. But you know a child, your child is being born, this seed that you planted in this woman and this, this baby is coming into the world. And you know it's going down. And your silly ass is sitting at home watching the game or you at the bar kicking it on the streets or whatever you're doing. Yeah. To me, that is the most uncivilized thing. It's a, amongst the most uncivilized thing that a person can do. Like you're talking about bringing a human being into the world mm -hmm. and you're responsible mm -hmm. for their development. Mm -hmm. And it's what that, what you produce gets to go out into the world and reproduce. Mm. You know, and to just act like you ain't did nothing, yeah. like you ain't had no parts in it, that right there, bro. Bro, bro, I, so I knew from early on that I was different because I not only did I have my pops, but I had my grandpa, you know, and my grandpa is currently 93 years old. That's my hero right there. That's my main man. Like people who follow me on social media, they feel like he's their grandpa because I post him a lot on my social media mm -hmm. and they just like, oh man, I wish he was my papa. You know? They, yeah. Yeah, bro. And I, I I realized that that wasn't the norm for my friends. Like a lot of my friends, I look around and they ain't had a daddy. They ain't had a daddy and their grandpa. And I had both of them. So you know what that meant? I had no excuse. I know what it's like to respect a woman, bro. I see my daddy do it with my mama every day. Grandpa and grandma married 66 years before she passed away recently. I saw this. So because of that, I understand the importance of mentorship and leadership. So when I get into the rap game, I knew off top, man, I got a responsibility to my audience. I'm not just here to entertain. You hear me? You know, even if you had an excuse, you wouldn't use an excuse if you wanted to better yourself. That's a good point. You know, like I, I wasn't, raised with my father. I probably saw my father every other year or so. Sometimes, you know, when he was closer to where I lived, I may see him multiple times in one year. Mm -hmm. But very seldom. I mean, he definitely did not play a role in my development as okay. far as a man. I never had a heart-to-heart -heart with him until he was on his deathbed, mm -hmm. basically. So... Everything that I picked up was trial and error. It was through watching other men who I admired, you know, and some other men that I admired were unlearned, right? So I could have easily said, well, I'm this way because my daddy was this way, you mm -hmm. know? I'm, I'm, I behave this way. I'm going to do this because my daddy did it. But I want it better. So I never used the excuse. Like, at the end of the day, your excuses ain't going to matter. If you walk into, if you go out there and, let's say, sell some dope, and you end up in a courtroom, the judge going to be like, you think the judge going to say, hey, now, bring him over here, now, uh, young man, tell did me you, how did hard. You, yeah, did you have tell your father? Tell me how hard life was, you know, <laughs> when your father wasn't there and, I can understand. So, you know what? I'm going to let you get back out there and try it again. You know, uh, good luck, son. Yeah. The judge going to be like, I got me another one. Here's yeah. another one. Yeah. Five years, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 70 years, 80 years, 100 years. They yeah. don't give a damn. Mm. And 
because you're going into a courtroom and you're asking for mercy from people who were hired to show you no mercy. Mm, they were hired to show you no mercy and you asking, you asking for mercy. Yeah. That's, man, that's messed up. What's even <laughs> more messed up is when we make music that glorifies this type of behavior. Yeah. We make we make the soundtrack for the lifestyle that, that someone would want to live when they say, okay, I want to sell dope. Like we make music that makes it sound appealing. We got all these gray hair clout chasers, you know what I'm saying? People mm -hmm. with gray hairs, but they still chasing clout because they still like, I want to be relevant with the young boys, you know? I want to make music that the teenagers going to feel. You're not supposed to be making music that the teenagers going to feel. You know what I mean? You're not supposed to be trying to fit in with them. You're supposed to be setting an example for them. And when I hear these people that have been rapping about selling cocaine, you know, we could call them out by name if we wanted to, bro, and go viral right quick. But they know who they are. And the fans listening to this know who they are. Like, you in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s, if you still rapping about cocaine or killing people, even if you sold that, even if you shot somebody before, there's a difference between narration and glorification. And I just feel like in the rap game, it's too much glorification of things that's going to get us locked up or get us six feet underground. I'm glad you, I'm glad you clarified that, you know, narration, glorification, because that has always been my uh, MO, you know, not to glorify, you know, but to narrate and sometimes not to glorify but horrify at the end of the day we're going to speak about it and but i'm going to tell you i can we can talk about that chopper in the trunk but let me tell you also about what's going to happen if you get caught with that chopper in the trunk you see and that's that's what uh, that's what a lot of us fail to do mm. like at, at the end of the day like we're we we got to have all hands on deck like we're in a crisis situation and and i don't I personally, when it comes to music, I personally don't try to like, I wouldn't try to police what a person says because I know, uh, especially the youngsters, because I know at the end of the day, they're not going to be the same person tomorrow as they are today. Like I grew, you know, I, like even when I was writing music, when I was considering myself do, painting the narrative, I still wasn't as sharp as I am today. And I know now that some of this stuff need to be even clarified even more because some people only hear one thing and they take some, a lot of people have cognitive dissonance. They hear that one thing that they want to hear and that's it. For you example, see. I wrote uh, in the uh, verse, my mind, in the mind playing tricks verse, I said, I make big money. I drive big cars. Everybody know me. It's like I'm a movie star. But Late at night, something ain't right. They didn't hear that. They didn't catch that part at all. They just, I make big money. I drive big cars. That's, That's all they heard. They didn't hear the whole piece where I said, but late at night, something ain't right. I'm paranoid out here in these streets. I, I'm bust the left in the Popeyes and bail that quick. Mm. You know? Mm. And I'm thinking these is killers and they jump out as three blind, crippling, crazy senior citizens. Mm. You see what I'm saying? They missed that part. And I'm telling you, that happened for real. Mm. Like, wasn't a situation where three blind, crippling, crazy three senior citizens hopped out the car. Mm. But it was a situation where a little five-year-old kid 
came around that corner and I thought it was a shooter. Mm. And he almost got clapped. Mm. You know? So that it's that paranoia and it's it's that it's it's that that constant that constant sense of uh being on the edge. Mm. You can't live like that, bro. That ain't no way to live. Man, bro, you said cognitive dissonance. I want y'all to go, if you watching this, go look that up. I did a song about cognitive dissonance and I I didn't use I didn't use that vocabulary. I just called it people don't want that real. You know what I mean? I said people don't want that real. They just say that they do. That's now right. people don't want that real and I'm one of them too. Yeah. I'm so easily entertained by ratchet activity, violent negative imagery always seem to interest me. I tell mm -hmm. myself, no more music glorifying evil, selling drugs, womanizing, killing our people. Then I hear a song with a tight beat and can't deny it. The hook is catchy, so I subconsciously memorize it. Next thing you know, I'm reciting all the lyrics. And my day don't feel complete unless I hear it. Inviting darkness in my spirit. This can't be light. I'm craving what I'm supposed to be fighting. This can't be right. I must be blind to the effects. This can't be sight. Death is in the power of the tongue. And this can't be life. Be careful what you get involved with because you can't support a cause, but then hate the effects that it causes. Uh. When we listen to this and we would say, I make big money. I drive big cars. Everybody, if that's all we want here and that's all we want to focus on, then we can't get mad when the stuff we got to do to make that big money and the stuff we got to do to drive them big cars backfires on us mm -hmm. and we like dang i had to do some illegal stuff to make this big money right. so what happened when you do illegal things that judge be like come here young man <laughs> it's that simple it's, that like, time. it's the same thing i remember growing up man people used to say you can be whatever you want to be just go to school make good grades listen to your parents you can even be the president of the united states but they didn't tell me I couldn't be beating up my classmates and okay. I couldn't steal out the store. Mm -hmm. They didn't tell me that part. They just told me, just go to school. I did went to school. I made some good grades, you mm -hmm. know. I listened to my parents sometimes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I like, I like options. I like to have options. I don't like to have my options limited. And if somebody would have told me you can't be beating, <laughs> beating up your uh, classmates and mm -hmm. stuff, and you can't be stealing out the store. I probably would not have stolen out the store or something because I like my options. I would have been like, you know what? Uh, I probably wouldn't be able to bounce back from this if I get caught up. So let me not do this. Mm. You know, I, I was I was that intentional growing up as a kid. I was like, wow, I wanted to do something and I, I put my mind to do it. I did it good or bad. I would do it. And so for you. You grew up in the household with your mom and your dad. And who who, who was the disciplinary uh, in your family? Was yeah. it your dad? The disciplinarian was my mama. They used to call my mama the exorcist. Yeah, I said disciplinary. But who, yeah, who was the dis yeah, disciplinary? Yeah. My dis friends used to call my mom. Yeah, my friends yeah. used to call my mom the exorcist because okay. that's the type of energy she gave off when she yeah. got mad. It's like you was scared that like, oh, David mama is possessed uh -huh. straight up. So she was the person who I feared getting her mad at me. Man, my pops, bro. My pops only got two switches. It's either zero or a hundred. Mm. So I only seen my daddy get mad at me one time in life. 
And I'm still scared to this day thinking about when he got mad and when he looked at me and pointed at me and told me, and it was, it was basically me not, uh, not coming home on time. Cause what was I doing? I was doing something I wasn't supposed to be doing. How old are you now? 14, 15? When you, when yes. This I, that's exactly and how old I'll tell you why I knew, but go ahead. All right, man. And, you know, I don't know if my people going to watch this or not. So I'm like, I don't know if I should say what I was doing. But uh, I was definitely doing something I wasn't supposed to be. Man, when I finally got home, man, my pops looked at me, that look in his eyes, him pointing at me and him like, I never forget him banging his fist on that table and said, you get here when you so you get here after school when I when I when I tell you to or when you're supposed to. Man, when he did that, bro. His hands hitting on that table, like, literally made my heart go. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that fear made me say, man, these people do too much for me. They too, they too cool for me to be bringing out this other side. You know what I mean? I never wanted to see that side of my daddy again. My mama, that's a little more of, like, I, mom's, mom's, mom's always going to find some reason to get mad at me. I think that's just that. But overall... It wasn't me being afraid of them as much as me not wanting to make them look you. stupid, man. Okay. These, these people, these people sacrificed so much for me, bro. They got, they got so many stories. They got stuff I haven't even talked about publicly yet of what my parents have done for me that definitely changed the entire course of my life. And I, you know, I'll speak on that stuff one day, but why would I want to make them look bad? They didn't do so much. Dude, you just blew my mind with that statement because I didn't feel that I had to make my mother proud because she was abusive towards me. So I didn't care what she thought if I go out into the streets and I did wild, reckless things because, you know, I'd probably get an ass whooping anyway for something that I didn't do. Or I didn't, you know, uh, she thought that I, I did or whatever, right? So when you have... Um, when you, when you, enter, when you have, uh, parents, uh, that you feel that truly have your best interest at heart and they love you and they're showing you examples daily, they're showing you examples of that love daily, you're less likely, I'm not saying you, you won't do it, but you're less likely to do things to embarrass your family, to do things to disappoint them. You know, you, you less you're less like, and I'm going to go ahead and say this. I might get in trouble for this. Uh, probably going to get in trouble for this right here. But this is why when I date women, I date women who have good relationships with their mothers and fathers. Mm. Mm -hmm. Women who have good relationships with their mothers and fathers and they come from good stock, they typically are not going to go out and do something to embarrass themselves. Mm -hmm. Are you? Mm -hmm. If they get into it with you and y'all have a problem, it's going to be private. It's going to be a private matter. They're not going to the internet mm -hmm. and air you out. Mm -hmm. They're not going to go write a tell-all book. Mm -hmm. They're not doing that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. But a woman who just who comes from a family where, you know, anything goes and, you know, just do you and whatever and not be concerned about how it affects others, they're, they're capable of doing anything. Mm -hmm. It's the same way with men. Mm -hmm. But- that's the way I, that's the reason why I move the way I move when it mm -hmm. comes to dating. Mm -hmm. They call crash dummies. That's what we call them where I'm from. Like, you're not a crash dummy when you know you got something to lose. 
But you a crash dummy when you just like, oh, word, I ain't get my way today. Oh, you you made me mad today. Oh, I'm about to air everything out. I'm about to just, uh, who knows what's going to happen, but it don't even matter what happened because I'm just going, I'm just going to the internet with everything. I'm just, I'm just, I'm willing to do anything, males or females, bro. You want to avoid crash dummies in life. You want mm -hmm. to. That could be. That's why one of my nicknames coming up was the One Man Army. D1, the One Man Army. Because I was just like, man, I can't have people rolling with me. And I'm responsible for if they do something when we out of town at a show or something like that. If they do something, it's going to come back to, oh, that was D1's people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you got a lot of crash dummies who they don't think about it like that. They think about it like, man, I'm grown. I never forget uh, being in the car, getting pulled over. Um, late at night coming from a show I had in St. Louis, Missouri and getting back to New Orleans and we get pulled over and my partner and I'm still cool with him to this day but it's just like the energy he had from the passenger side of the seat for the policeman you know what I'm saying was just something that it's like you about to mess it up for both of us bro I'm the driver and I'm the public figure right now you know what i mean and i also know how to diffuse this situation did i run the red light i did i really did am i mad that i got caught yeah i'm mad i got caught but when these brothers come up to the car i'm not gonna be an antagonist and i'm not gonna like oh try to you know go above and beyond but when you are passenger side antagonist it's like that could be dangerous for all of us and lessons like that just taught me like at the end of the day I can't tell another grown man what to say or what to do. People are going to be themselves at the end of the day, but I can determine who I'm going to have in that closer proximity to me. Absolutely. You feel me? You so, mentioned when you was 14, 15 years old, you came in the house late and I told you, I'm going to tell you how I knew you was around that age. Typically for young men, when they're about 14, 15, it's when they try their father or their mother for the first time. Uh, but especially their father, because they are now in the high school range. And when you're in high school, you are around boys who are often your father's size. Some of those seniors and juniors are as big as your daddy. And you're sizing them up. You're competing against them for girls. Mm -hmm. You're competing against them for a spot on the basketball team, the football team, uh, the wrestling team. You have to be physical. And you feel like oftentimes if you can take them, perhaps you can take dad. Bro, you just spoke my life, bro. Yes. <laughs> you just spoke my life, bro. I got into I got into it with Johnny James. He was a senior. I was a freshman in high yeah. school on the basketball court. It's the big center. I'm the little point guard. You know what I mean? But when I got into it with him and I came out and my nose wasn't bloody and I was like, man, I held my own against Johnny James. Like just not in a yeah. fight. I'm looking at like he's six five. My daddy only six three. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, yeah, I think I got a little a little uh, outside my top at, at, at that time. You right? Yeah. Uh, my stepdaddy used to call it smelling your piss. Mm. <laughs> That's funny. Smelling your piss. Are you still a Catholic? I'm Christian. Okay, you, you switched it up? I'm Christian, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. When I well, got to college, when I got to college, that's when I went from just going to church, 
because my parents told me this is the church we go to and this is what we believe in and this is what we do to being like, I got to form my own relationship with God. For those who don't know, my freshman year was one for the books, bro. My freshman year in college, one of my best friends got murdered back in New Orleans. My roommate in college started selling dope. You heard me? My girlfriend in college cheated on me with a football player on LSU's team. And I got cut from LSU's basketball team. All in one year, all this stuff happened to me. So a lot mm. that I was building my identity on and a lot of stuff that was giving me my confidence at the time, that stuff all got taken away from me rapidly. So that's when I had to lean on God in a way, not just like, oh, God is just some random phrase that we just named. I had to really form a relationship with God and have an understanding of who God was, why God chose to create me and what God put me here to do. All that stuff happened that year, bro. So that's when I was like, I found Christianity and not just saying, oh, I'm just Catholic because that's just what my family is. Yeah. Ghetto Boys Reloaded Podcast. We'll be right back after the break. AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. Every week, we'll pick a new song from the list and talk about their placement on the revamped 2021 list. We'll also have guests join us, ranging from the artists themselves to the producers, or simply other writers like ourselves who voted on them. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside and Britney Spears' Baby One More Time. There's so many fascinating stories that have been forgotten, like Midnight Train to Georgia, starting with a phone call to Farrah Fawcett, or how the Yeah, Yeah, Yeahs inspired Kelly Clarkson's banger Since You've Been Gone and Beyonce's Hold Up. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. 
the war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So you jump out, you start rapping in college. That's a late start very for a late, rapper. Very late. College. Mm-hmm. But you find success relatively early. Mm-hmm. Like, and so you start you start to rap and what happens when the people around you who've been knowing you for a long time finds out you're rapping, you're in college to go out and take over the world, do something great, add to humanity some mm-hmm. kind of way. I don't mm-hmm. know. But yeah. <laughs> what, what, were you, what were you majoring in? Business, marketing. Okay. Yeah. What do your parents say yeah. when you decide, hey, ma, hey, dad, I, I think I'm going to I'm going to do this rap thing? There you go. I didn't do the, hey, mom, dad, I'm about to rap. I didn't tell them at first. I didn't tell them. So I was like living a double life with my parents because they're like, all right, how your grades going and how, you, how your class is going? Okay. And I'm thinking, how this mixtape going that I just yeah. dropped? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? And they don't have any idea. One of my mama's coworkers her son went to high school with me and he found out that I rap and he gave his mom my mixtape that I dropped, my first mixtape when I was in college. She must have went back to my mama at the job and said, oh, I ain't know David was rapping now. Oh, that's interesting. Like my son gave me his mixtape and gave it to my mama. And when my mama showed me the mixtape that I had dropped that I didn't tell them anything about, that's how they found out I was rapping. But by this time, they're not tripping because you're still in college. You still didn't like co- you dropped out of college to rap. Still in at college. At that point. Still in college. And did you, 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 you didn't get your degree, right? I did. I you graduated. Bro, I don't know if you know right now, but you know, I'm teaching at Harvard University right now. Yeah. 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 Like I, like, okay. so I got my degree a long time ago. And when people on the internet hear that I'm at Harvard right now, like, I'm up there teaching courses on hip-hop, man. I'm doing a fellowship at Harvard, a hip-hop fellowship that literally, like, has me at an Ivy League school representing hip-hop. So I got my bachelor's degree a while ago, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and what what is the ex-girlfriend who left you for the football player doing and 
Also, what is this guy who was your roommate that was selling dope? What happened to him? Yeah, so he got kicked out of school. He got kicked off campus. He had to do some jail time, all that type of stuff. Uh, he didn't end up dying, thankfully. Nothing crazy like that. Last time I saw him was a few years ago in New Orleans, and he was bartending somewhere. So I was in, me and my homie went in a spot to watch the game, playoff game or something. And I turned around and the dude who was taking our food order was uh, was my boy. Right. I was like, wow. So, um, yeah, we just made small talk. We ain't have no big, huge, like, oh my goodness, bro, what's been up all these years? It was just kind of like, word. All right, I'm glad to see he's still alive. You know what I mean? And what about the ex-girlfriend? So that's another story, brother. Uh, so with her... Uh, no, I'm married. <laughs> hey, bro. After that, I was not. I learned, like, I, I learned that, man. That level of heartbreak made me realize that if I'm doing my best, because oh my goodness, I was doing my best, bro. That was my first love. If I'm doing my best and my best ain't enough for a woman, that ain't the woman for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna keep pursuing that, man. And I learned that at an early age when that happened to me in college, when I got cheated on. Um, and it wasn't even a star football player she cheated on me with. He was like a fourth string, like bench warmer. You know what I mean? So I was just like, whatever it is you saw in this dude, if me giving my all to you ain't enough, cool. So um, it's no beef because it's because of her that I started rapping. Like I wouldn't even been rapping. You know, I went to, I went to college to make good grades, play ball and figure out what kind of career I was going to have. I got a late start with rapping, but it came after she cheated on me. And, you know, you don't go to therapy when you're a college student. And especially back then, therapy wasn't like this buzzword like it is now. So my therapy was, man, I got to be able to talk to these beats. I got to be able to talk to these instrumentals and just get all these, you know, all this hurt and all this pain out. So what's the name of the song you wrote about her? It was called Wanna Be Good To You. That's what it was called. It was called Wanna Be Good To You because, um, and you know, I didn't have original beats at the time. So it was definitely like instrumentals. It was an old Kanye West instrumental that I rapped over. And it was basically saying how she cheated on me. She messed over me, broke my heart. But then she tried to double back and she realized like, oh, I made a mistake. Like mm -hmm. that was a good dude right there. And she wanted to try to come back and on some, I want to be good to you, David. You know what I mean? And so the song was about that, but it was just saying like, nah, it ain't no beef, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm good on you. Cause this what you, this what you put me through. And you know what? In the weirdest way possible, thank you for putting me through that. Because since you put me through that, I done tapped into a whole nother side of myself that I ain't know existed. I got some real grit now. You know, I got I got I got the ability to use this gift of hip hop that really I started using because I was heartbroken, but now I see how this gift could change people's lives. And that literally was the birth of D1. When you taught math, you taught for what, two years? I taught two years. Okay, and then you quit. Did you quit to pursue your rap career? Absolutely. That's okay. when the J-15 and Weezy video went viral. Right. Was there any trepidation about quitting the teaching profession? Because, you know, we always say we need good teachers. Mm -hmm. Now we got one. Yeah. And now he's talking about going to rap. Talking about wanting to be a rapper. Yep. So yeah. I made a promise to my students. I said, listen, y'all, Mr. Augustine going to stop teaching at the end of this year. I'm going to go out here and pursue uh, my career as a rapper. I said, I've never made any money off of rapping before. Um, but people are starting to know my name. I'm buzzing in New Orleans. I'm buzzing in the streets of Baton Rouge. I said, 
one thing I promise y'all is that if I'm going to make it in the rap game, I'm not going to compromise the stuff I stand for. So my motto is three is up. And I know you know, I know that. It. I know it. I know you're three. Let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get it. Let me get it. Get it. Get it. What you got? Be real. Be righteous. Be relevant. That's it, my brother. I got you, boy. That's it. I got you. you done wore my hoodies and everything, yeah. brother. I, yeah, and I like yeah. I, I appreciate you on. You an OG, bro. You not yeah. a DG. You heard me? You you a, you an OG. You ain't one of them DGs. Yeah. So I told my students, if I make it in the rap game, I guarantee you I'm gonna be the same dude that's in here as y'all teacher. But I'm just gonna have a bigger platform because I'm D1 instead of Mr. Augustine. So all these years later. Yeah, bro, I, I've i been successful for a long time in rap. I don't brag, I don't boast, you know, uh, about what I have and what I've amassed, uh, uh, you know, all this time. You kind of threw me a curveball when we started the interview, when you asked me about, like, what happened, as if, like, I'm one of them stories of a dude who got on and then fell off. Bro, like, I'm in such a great position right now, and I'm talking about I'm sitting here, about to, I just performed at the New Orleans Jazz Fest. I'm sitting here looking at 15 tour dates we got coming up over the summer. I'm teaching at Harvard University, you heard me? Getting paid to be up there teaching on hip hop and doing a fellowship at Harvard University. Like, I'm at conferences speaking on financial literacy, speaking on empowerment with Dr. Boyce Watkins, and you know, that's our partner and all that. Like, I just realized that some people, not you, but some people, their lens of what they deemed successful is who's on the radio when I turn on 97.9 in the box every day. Whoever I hear on there, that's who's popular. You know what I'm saying? Oh, that's who's popping. And it's like, you want to talk about who wealthy? You want to talk about who got peace of mind and could walk around without security? You want to talk about who really is making an impact in their community to where people's lives are better because of their music and because of their partnerships with different programs? When I partnered with Sally Mae, we gave away $300,000 over the course of our partnership together to black and brown students, well, and some white students too, but just students in general who wanted college scholarships. Like, I want us to start redefining what success looks like in the rap game. Cause if more people were like, that's why I love that I got 300,000 followers, 400,000 followers online, that type of stuff. I love that, not because that matters to me, but because when I go and speak in a middle school or a high school, them kids look and they see that blue check. And this ain't the blue check I got to pay for. This ain't the $15 a month uh, verification that anybody could buy now. This is like, I had this for years. That stuff don't matter to me, but that's how they determine what success is. So what? this is my goal. This is very important. I've wanted to be the person in the rap game that um, that, that confuses people when it comes to what success looks like. Because on one hand, you look online, D1 is always booked. I know he's getting paid to do all these shows, speak at all these colleges, do all this stuff. So D1 is always busy. He got a lot of followers. But on the other hand, D1 drives a Honda Accord. D1 don't wear no big expensive jewelry. D1 is not on here stunting and, and, and flossing with his material possessions. So is he successful? Because success don't normally look like driving a Honda Accord, but I look online and success definitely look like all these numbers and all these views and followers and all this getting booked all over. And I want people to see that like, yes, success doesn't have to look like this narrow definition of what 1% of the music industry shows us, which is 
iced out everything and pull up in a Maybag, pull up in a Bugatti. That don't have to be what success just looks like. Well, you know, I already know you're successful. I know I know you personally, so I already know you're a good businessman. And mm-hmm. what's going on with the watches? Oh, uh, yeah. That's, I man, having to go to court right now. What? You want to know the truth, unfortunately. Yeah. With, 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 look, bro, just because everybody, your, your, your skin folk don't mean they're your kin folk, bro. And, you know, I mm-hmm. wasn't in that endeavor by myself. You know what I'm saying? Um, unfortunately, yeah, bro, that, that's something that went left field. And I'm, um, I am, uh, I don't even know what I should or shouldn't speak on because it's literally a, a legal situation. But, uh, man, just know that I got messed over bad, bad by a partner. Mm-hmm. Bad, really bad. And I see how, bro, I see how some people, when they get messed over on a certain level, I see how some people end up making a mistake that lands them in jail or something like that because they put hands on somebody or because they physically, I see it. But thankfully, I'm in a position where it's like, oh, yeah, you really messed over me, but I'm really blessed, like, like so blessed overall in so many ways that the ways in which you messed over me financially, the ways in which you... um. Yeah, messed over me legally, like all this stuff. That's what they got lawyers for. You hear me? And I got lawyer money. You hear me? So, so that's gonna handle itself. It just take a long time when you go that route. But I get it. How our people in the streets who it's like, man, this was my lifeline. This all I had going for myself. And now you didn't stole this, and you didn't did this, and you didn't maneuver like that. I see how people be like, man, we finna go put that black mask on tonight, and we finna go. You know what I mean? Catch us one. I, I get it now, bro, because that stuff didn't happen. Between that and me being in the music industry for all these years with all these people who are trying to steal from you and record labels and, and what they do in terms of like playing with your creativity, playing with your manhood. You know, I didn't had people in the music industry before like males like tell me like if I if I perform sexual favors for them that, you know, they'll put me on like that really happened, bro. Hmm. I got a song about it called. No, you got to you got to call him out, man. You got yeah, yeah. names, man. We got to get names man, on them, man. Bro, we need names he, on them. We we got to get we got to get names to help the next generation. To help the next. Well, the, the good ne- thing is this dude ain't relevant no more, bro. He was relevant when I was first first getting out of college. All right, well, you know all right man. Was we'll stick stick the stake <laughs> in his heart, then, man. He already down. Let's kick him while he down. What's his name? Man, I ain't gonna call his name out. He ain't even worth the. He gonna get popular off he gonna get relevant again off of that uh, like I, I, I ain't gonna do it but I almost wanna call out the names of these these artists too bro who just like they just intentionally ignorant bro it's not unintentional ignorance it's intentional mm-hmm. ignorance bro and I promise you I'm just like, oh, you want to go viral right quick, D? Call his name out. Call his name out. Like I said, I call them gray hair clout chasers because you're literally so old that you got gray hair now, bro, but you're still clout chasing. Or you sitting here, like one thing I didn't enjoy was Joe Budden when NBA Youngboy, who's from my state, did an interview on Billboard. I don't know if you saw it. He was like, man, he was almost in tears in the interview, man. I realized how many people I led astray with my music and I really want to do better. You know what I'm saying? This is what he's saying in the interview. He's shaking in the interview. His voice trembling and everything. He talking about all the hurt he experienced coming up and he want to do better now. Me as a teacher, I'm looking at it like that's how a student looks 
when they are having a, a vulnerable moment or when they're scared and they're terrified. Y'all just so happen to have the cameras rolling and catch that. But this is when mentors need to come to to be next to a person like this and to be able to like nurture that energy and help, you know, help that be something that they continue to move in that type of direction. I saw Joe Budden come out. Man, NBA young boy lying to y'all, man. He just trying to go viral, man. He faking, man. Like, he ain't finna do that. Da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, that's messed up, bro. You know, I was a Joe Budden fan when he was a rapper. He rap about being in group homes. He rap about all the emotional distress he went through as a kid coming up, all that type of stuff. What if people gave up on him like that? You know what I'm saying? I know. How long ago was this interview? Oh, this was a few months ago. Yeah. I've uh, I've taught on this in 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 my uh in my classes up at Harvard, bro. Like I showed this interview. I want to say it came out in January on Billboard. I, I sent it to your phone. Yeah. Oh, bro. When you see this interview, we gonna watch it right after this interview, and I want to know your thoughts on it. Like, cause, bro, I'm from the streets, bro. You know what I'm saying? I'm not no dude that was participating, but I'm from that element. So I know also when somebody is just stunting for the camera or they trying to play a role you know what i'm saying versus like man he having a real moment right now you know what i'm saying i didn't really taught students who i'm on the phone yesterday with my former student you know fredo bang absolutely what's up fredo that's my student bro yeah that was my student. That was my middle school student. That's my dude, man. Fredo, that's my dude. Man, I'm on FaceTime with him yesterday talking. Brother, me and Fredo talking about financial literacy. We talking about investments. We talking about paying uh paying taxes. We talking about payroll and staff and team and 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 just grown man stuff, bro. You know what I mean? Grown man business. Like, it's amazing for me to see that and to understand that, like, this brother, trust me. This brother, trust me, I got to So even when he make mistakes or do things that I disagree with, just like sometimes you might be like, oh, D didn't jumped out there on Instagram and said this or said this about this issue. You might not agree with everything I do, but it's still important that you know, man, D got a good heart. So I ain't going to just denounce everything D stand for, or cancel mm -hmm. D because I disagree with one thing he didn't did. With Fredo, I see that this man trusts me. This man, you know, is willing to be open with me and vulnerable. The worst thing I could ever do is to be like, just so I could go viral right quick, right quick is to try to talk down on somebody like that, you know? So when I saw Joe Budden doing that with the NBA Young Boy stuff, I ain't respect that at all. I ain't respect that at all. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you ever feel like doing Christian rap holds you back? You think I'm a Christian rapper? Are you a Christian rapper? You're a Christian? You rap? What's a, that so that, that make me a Christian rapper? I mean, if you're a Christian and you rap, you're not a Christian rapper? I don't know, man. Educate me. If you're a, if you're a Muslim and you rap, oh, you're a Muslim yeah, you rapper? <laughs> huh? 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 That's dope. Yeah. Right. I'm asking. That's what I'm saying. Educate me. Educate me. I'm a priority rapper. Okay. I rap about <laughs> what my... Well you, well, you put me in the crosshairs on that one, yeah, boy. Yeah, that, that, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a priority rapper. I rap yeah. about what my priorities are in life. Right. God is my top priority in life. I can dig it. God gave me life. God created me. What's not my priorities is my jewelry, my cars, and my clothes. Man, that ain't high priority, so you ain't going to hear me rapping about that too much. Will I mention yeah. it? Sure, because I got all, all of the above. But God is my top priority. Love, relationships, you know what I mean? Understanding women, understanding how to make an impact on the youth, understanding that. Uh, prioritizing black love, the black community. That's my priorities. I'm a priority rapper, bro. <laughs> you feel me? But I love it, baby. I but, love it. But I love it. I never tell somebody, don't call me whatever they view my uh, art to be. 
you know, based mm-hmm. on listening to it. I say, I say, what's the point of writing all of these lyrics if I'm rapping to an audience that ain't trying to hear it? Uh. They'd rather me blow a bag than rap about building wealth. They'd rather me get some brain than rap about mental health. Don't censor me. Eventually, try to make sense of me. I don't need your dollars. I need you to think sensibly. Mm. You feel good now that you're vegan? Oh, that's funny. If you're still supporting garbage, you're just a healthy dummy. <laughs> My city don't even love me. I'm calling it how it is. I'm a threat to the power structure that's brainwashing our kids. I'm fracturing all the egos of illegitimate heroes. I only look up to one man because he died and he rose. I keep it too real because life don't last too long. If everybody likes me, I'm doing something too wrong. Maybe in time, they'll appreciate my words like Nipsey. Till then, I'm going to see how far keeping it real gets me. That's my mindset. Oh, man. That's how, I, that's how I approach it. So if people hear all that and they see the moves I'm making and they see, man, he at Harvard and he performing in colleges, clubs and churches and all that and da-da-da. But because he rep God, he a Christian rapper. I am what you perceive me to be. Yeah, your independent grind is unmatched. I was looking at some of the things that you was doing, and you know, uh, some of the people that you you've worked with. Like you work with like so many damn artists. Like I mean, you work with uh, Drake. Yeah, you toured. You toured with uh, who was that? Uh, I saw. It. I saw you did a song with Juvenile. Yeah. So you, I saw you did stuff with Manny Fresh. Yeah. Whole, you, you, whole you, you work with Akon. Yeah. Uh, Lupe Fiasco. Yeah, Lupe. You Big Lupe, Crit. And you and, yeah, Big Crit. And Fat Joe, you and you and you and uh, 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 um, Lupe, y'all really cool, huh? Real cool. Yeah. That's my brother right there. Yeah. That's my brother right there. So I can see that. Y'all be matching wits, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I'm at Harvard right now. He's at MIT. That's 10 minutes away from Harvard University. So we both up there in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and he teaching at MIT, and I'm doing my program and teaching at Harvard, bro. Too cool. Crazy, crazy, bro. And we done toured the country together. We went on tour together. We got music together. So now for us to be up there is powerful, and it shows the possibilities of rap in academia. You know, rap turned, how old? 50 this year, right? Uh, Hip-hop turned 50 mm-hmm. years old this year. We just getting started, baby. We just getting started. We in Ivy League schools right now, man. I just was teaching last week on how hip hop took over the world and what lessons it has taught the black community on Harvard University's campus. Man, when them people seeing, and when I go to Harvard, I'm the same dude you're seeing right now. Well, I'm not going there like, hi guys, my name's uh, D- David Augustine and I'd, I'd like to, man, I'm me. I get to be authentically myself. Bro, that is powerful and we we don't celebrate that in hip hop though. If I say like, man, I'm a top tier rapper and I'm also at Harvard University right now. Now there's no student, no disrespect to the students. That's amazing. But I'm up there doing a fellowship. I'm up there um, teaching and doing research on hip hop. In hip hop, we don't we don't look at that like that's a flex. Like oh oh, you doing that? But if it's like, man, that boy D1 was in, what's one of y'all strip clubs y'all got out here? What's the name? I know you know him. What's one of the names? Uh, 
he going to act like him. No, I don't go to him. I don't, I don't do strip clubs. Or, or, but I, but I, I do know the names. Uh, I, Onyx is one, I think. Oh, yeah. man, that boy D1 I think was still open. That boy D1 was in Onyx last night yeah. with Willie D. Them boys threw 50 racks See, a piece. Wasn't with me. I wasn't with <laughs> you. You wasn't with me. You was so with somebody else. But man. You was not with me. But see that? And that, if I did see you flexing, uh, well, throwing 50, that kind yeah. of money, yo, bro, hold on, man. Hold on. Because you're an OG. Be like, say, man, you know what we can do with that money, man? Because you're an OG. It hey, take courage. On. It take Willie, I don't want to call his name, bro, but a dude I grew up listening to, looked up to him. Man, I never forget being in the studio with him. And we have an intelligent conversation just like this. He's older than me. He around your age. And definitely where I'm from, I mean, you know, he's a legend. And I don't even I think we need to use a different word other than legend nowadays, too, because everybody we call a legend ain't a legend. But um we in the studio having a talk like this and his engineer was like, I right, such and such, uh, I got the beat pulled up, you know, go in there and you can spit your verse. We go from having this type of talk about fatherhood and, and black love and the community and financial literacy. And as soon as he go get in that boot, man, he went and spit the most ignorant. I'm going to kill you and all y'all and, and, and all your homies and da da da. And I got kilos of cocaine and da 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 da. And I'm the big, like, just that <laughs> quick, bro. <laughs> bro, I witnessed this stuff. I can't make these stories up. So when I witness this type of stuff, I'm just, I'm not numb to it. I'm like, oh, something ain't right about this, bro. Like people are getting in character when they are rappers. Meanwhile, as a real man, you totally different. And that's not cool, bro. I just want to be the same dude on and off the mic. Well, yeah, it's it's a lot of dudes that are like that, man. You know, some of the biggest artists out there who these people respect, they have no idea that, you know, dude ain't who they think he is. You know what I'm talking about? Like, so, but the thing is, because here's the deal, bro, like if, if you really that, you all of that, and a street cat, with credentials, want to check, what's the first thing you're going to do? He's going to call your hometown and he's going to ask somebody on the ground about you. Mm. And that person on the ground that he asked, going to give him the real. So everybody else, you know, they get the, uh, they get the, you know, what they call it? The, the reference, the, the, the reference, the, 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 the representative. Yeah, the representative. They get oh, the right. representative. Yeah. Right? You know, but the, the people that know, yeah. They get the real. They really know, bro. They really know. And, and, and the people that know D1 really know the real. People know, you know, David Augustine. You know what I'm talking about? We know you real, but we know you solid. And we really do appreciate what you bring to the table. Um, and, you know, absolutely, you know, no disrespect whatsoever uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, your contributions to this game, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. uh, you one of those guys that when the, the people, your, your, I always say like when your peers respect you, you're doing something right. Mm. Your peers respect you. 
Thank you, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you. It's been an honor, man, to sit down and have a conversation with you. Bro, I waited a year for this, bro. I know. You know. I know. I yeah. appreciate that call. And, and what's up with that gear, man? Like you cold blooded with the gear on the gear game. You yeah. know? What's up with that? Because you make way more money on merch than you do on streams. Yeah. So it's like if you're an independent artist like me, you gotta know, man. Like it's a lifestyle that you gotta be pushing to people. The music is the soundtrack, but you gotta have a gear for people. So missionvisionlifestyle.com is my website i got a whole store there man and you see me rocking mission vision right here that's yeah. my movement that's also my mission record label. Vi mission vision music that's, mission that's vision music that's, that's the label baby so yeah, yeah. so if, if people want socks they want sweatpants they want hoodies they want t-shirts tank tops we got all that and we actually got much more on the way so thank you for allowing me to give that plug missionvisionlifestyle.com willie d actually be wearing my merch. I got pictures yeah, of him, y'all, and I'm going to post them just if y'all think I'm lying. Post them, man. Post <laughs> it. Put it in their face. That's it, brother. Thank you, man. Thank no you. more talk. This episode was produced by A-King and brought to you by the Black Effect Podcast Network and, and iHeartRadio. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.